podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Is it time for a new heating and cooling system? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services and Carrier today and get 0% financing for 18 months on a new heating and cooling system. Get the comfort you deserve from Griffith Energy Services and Carrier. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today for this and other exclusive offers. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. Doggone dependable. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. next episode of the tactics board uh we've been away for a little bit but i'm delighted that the lads are back with me tonight uh to talk i suppose what is a, an absolutely huge uh couple of weeks for liverpool football club um starting with the game tomorrow against west brom uh but then i suppose more importantly the huge game that we have on tuesday against roma so uh it gives me great pleasure to introduce steve brown and danny ventry how are you gents Good, how are you? Good, mate. Really good. How are you, Steve? Yeah, not too Good man, good man. So, I think what we'll do, lads, we'll jump straight into it because we want to try and keep this to, to 45 minutes to an hour. Um, and we've got two games that we want to try and preview in, in what is a, is a huge couple of weeks for the Reds. Um, before we sort of jump in, I suppose, to, to the West Brom game, um, let's start on a, on a really positive note. Can, can you remember a time when there's been so much... I suppose positivity around Liverpool. You know, there seems some genuine unity around the the players and and the coaching staff. Go on, Steve. You can answer that one, mate. <laughs> uh, no, it's been a long time. Um, <clears throat> it seems as though it's improved enormously since 13, 13, 14 In my time, was the only time that there seemed to be complete unity between players, management, fans, everyone. It feels as though in the past couple of months, this has gone up another level. Mm. It's, it feels as though everyone's 100% behind the cause. Everyone is solely focused on winning something this year and improving. And it feels like there's steps being made and there's steps has been taken since January that have improved the team, have improved the squad, that have improved the club. Um, it's brilliant. It's, it's absolutely brilliant. The atmosphere, when you look at the player social media accounts, the likes of... Alex Oxley Chamberlain's social media account. It just looks like the lads are having the best crack. And, and I have to say, yeah. just on the, so, the social media thing, what a blessing James Milner has been to social media. He is an absolutely <laughs> flying for in the last couple of weeks. He's doing well, isn't he? Off his, um, well, he had a, a fake account, didn't he? James Milner of the boring account, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> I think he's kind of playing with that as himself, so... No, it's good to see them having a little laugh and that. I think that 
Uh, I remember just, I think when they were nearly going to win the league, was was another time when, you know, everyone was behind them and stuff. That's 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 a time I remember as the closeness of a unity of a group that they could go on and win the league that season. But it was an unfortunate time towards the end of the season. With the I think it was Palace was a three all. Oh it was, yeah, it was. Did we, did we lose? Yeah, so I think that was one of the most recent times I could I could um, probably answer your question too of when was the last time you know something was going to happen we were on the edge of something again and that was probably the most recent time for me and do you think that the the emergence of uh, of this Liverpool side is it is it a come to as a shock to you lads uh, you know we we had a bit of a blip you know a bit of a slow start. Um, but it all seems to have started to come together, particularly sort of post Christmas. Has that come a, 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 as a surprise to you, Steve? Um, yeah, it has because there was the effect of what happens with Coutinho, what happens to the squad after Coutinho goes, um, and whether the improve, whether Van Dijk was going to make the squad better or make the team better, whatever it might be. Um, so it is a surprise that we've sold what many people thought was our best player. And we've actually kicked on since then. And 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 Danny Steve touched on it there, and we, and we might touch on it later in a little bit more detail. But given, I suppose, the the, the public response to the the selling of Coutinho, um, has this uh, has this Liverpool team, and, and particularly the emergence of the uh, of the midfield, uh, the midfield three that have been doing the business of, of, in recent weeks, has that come as a, a shock to yourself? Not so much of a shock, no. I- you know the quality players in that team. I think maybe with Coutinho going, you know some of them have stood stood up now. Well, well, they've all stood up now and and to be counted, and and they all want to be the best player. You know, or like Coutinho was brilliant with what he done. He was probably on another level, but they've all seemed to like mucked in hmm. and have more of a team effect now instead of just relying on the one player. Um, so in a way, I think it's kind of benefits us that Coutinho has gone. No one seen that at the time, and no one thought that would happen because we lost such an influential player. But to be fair to the lad, they've all mucked in and and they're pulling the weight, and you know, just it's showing. The results are showing, and at the turn of the year, you know, just new signings coming in, and they've got, they've got to take time to gel and get get used to how the manager wants them to play. So, you know, Klopp's playing a certain brand of football, which now they're all buying into, and it's paying off. You know what? Probably gone of the days where we have to score three, you know, to win a game, and because we'd always look like we're going to see it. And recently, now since you know Van Dijk's come in, there's, there's clean sheets in there. Carrier's the keeper's done really well as well. So you know you can't forget him. He's done really well since the third of the year. And just one one point to pick up on there, Danny. Um, before we sort of move on to to West Brom, um, you know, particularly in the the instance of Phil Coutinho, and if you know you've been in dressing rooms where perhaps some of your teammates. Um, uh, are potentially looking for a move or know that other clubs have inter- are interested or, the, or they're unhappy. What sort yeah. of a ripple effect can that have in the dressing room? Uh, and, you know, can it create um, a negativity amongst teammates? I've seen it before, yeah. Certain lads, you know, give it their all until, you know, the last kick on the pitch, whether they're going or they're staying, uh, leaving. Some players down tools. It depends how they want to get the move. You know, if if the club's happy for them to say, look, yeah, we'll let you go at the end of the season. Lads will generally, you know, give it their all till the end of the season. If a club's saying, look, we're not going to let you go, you know, certain players will down too. 
tools and then they become like kind of a cancer in the changing room and not doing what they usually usually do on the pitch and it affects other players and then it can come a bit stale in the changing room and that can go right through the club and affect your season. So I don't know, maybe it was quite right for Liverpool to get rid of Coutinho at the time. I know, I know that he did want the move. It was a bit similar to the, the Suarez situation. Mm. But, you know, the world-class players, they should, you know, pull the weight until it's right time to go. And if you're, if you're professional, then, you know, that, that that's a given. But, as I say, it can affect other, other players. But... It doesn't seem to affect Liverpool in in um, in, a, in a bad way at all. So, as I say, since since he's gone, they've all kind of kicked on. Well, it's it's, it's interesting you say that because I, I was having a look today at I suppose some stats that sort of pre Coutinho and post Coutinho. Uh, and if you look at you know things like win percentages, goals per game, all the sorts of benchmarks that you would have for a successful team, there's so much positivity and improvement post Coutinho. You know, we're we're conceding less goals. We're having more shots uh, per game. Um, the team are comfortably winning more tackles. Um, and I mean, from my own perspective, I kind of put that down to um, when Phil would play. I got the sense that if we, you know, we're having an off day, we're pe- we're we're playing at sixty, seventy percent. It's very easy for some players just to pop the ball into Coutinho and hope that he pulls a little bit of magic out of uh, out of the hat. Whereas now they don't have that easy option. I think Klopp's alluded to it in some press conferences. He said there's no there's no hiding place for players now. And it seems like everybody has a defined role in this team. You have a more workmanlike midfield with your Milner, your Henderson, your Oxlade-Chamberlain. And the pace at which we can break now, particularly in transition with the likes of Oxlade-Chamberlain, seems to make us a much more dangerous animal going forward. What do you think, Steve? We had this conversation about this when Coutinho was old, that he wasn't particularly a Klopp player. If you look at Klopp's previous teams and the way he wants to play, and he, he was so good you couldn't leave him out. He had, he had to play. Uh, but what we're seeing now is a team that's moulded into the way Klopp wants to play. There's no... It's, it's now getting to the stage where there's no excuses. He, Klopp can't turn around and say it's not my it's not my team or it's not my squad. It's now his. It's it's the way he wants it to be playing. Hmm. Um, the emergence of Chamberlain recently, like me and you have always been fans of him, but there's been others that haven't been, hmm. and it's now that he's actually winning other people around as well. He's he's doing everything you want from the centre midfielder. His ability to drive a team. It's uh, the first time in his mind is how can I get forward. How can mm. I do this? He, all he wants to do is drive the teams and play in the other lads. It's not, it's not so. And he, when it comes down to it, he can play the passes, he can keep the ball, he can keep it neat and tidy when he needs to. But his first thought, as we've seen against City twice, his first thought is go at goal. Just mm. go at goal. And it terrifies defenders. If he gets behind or runs a two, he's running a two centre half, and then you've three lads splitting either side. It makes a massive difference. There's nothing worse, is there, when you're defending that? Dan, it's terrifying. You know yourself, the player with pace <laughs> and strength running at you. It's absolutely terrifying. Yeah, it is. So, so what I want to do, lads, and, and I'm delighted that Chamberlain, just to finish off, is starting <clears> to get the plaudits that I, that I think he deserves. And, and I think for me, it shows what a little bit of man management and belief from, from your manager can, can do for a, for a player. He just seems to be given a platform and a little bit of trust 
um, and support from the fans and, and, and I think he's only going to get better which is fantastic for the club so um, what I want to do now lads I suppose is move on to uh, West Brom and um, before we sort of move into them on in detail I want to have a little look I suppose at the block of fixtures that we've got coming up uh, because I know you know managers don't look at fixtures in isolation. Um, they'll look at the you know the next two, three, four, five games and see how they can potentially manage the squad. So um, just before we sort of dive into West Brom, um, how do you see the the approach tomorrow uh, from a Liverpool standpoint? Given the fact that we have such a quick turnaround before Tuesday's game, I think. For me, Jay, I think you've just got to put your full squad out tomorrow. You know, and make sure we are in that top four first and foremost. It's the Champions League. Don't forget we're playing against the elite of the elite. Hmm. And, you know, for, for me, being in the Champions League next season is a priority for me. All right, we know we're in the semi-final and we've got a great chance of winning it. I think we've got a better chance of consolidating our top four finish first of all. And let's see where we get in the Champions League. I think the squad's big enough to rotate two or three players, if 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 at, at the most. But for me, I think you can fly at West Brom, and then you know take some players off after sixty minutes. I think the game could be won within sixty minutes, and then that's when you can start looking to Tuesday against Roma. Yeah, so keep it a sixty-minute match. Make sure that we we start fast get a couple of goals up early and, and, and try and put the tie to bed as quickly as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, as quickly as possible. West Brom are going to come and slow the game down. You know, you've mm. seen that they do like to sit deep and try and, you know, on the counter-attack. Now, they've got a new manager, but they've got to come out and try and win the game. You know, mm. it, it, I, I haven't really looked at where they are in the league. I know that, that they're the bouts down there and they have to come out and win a game. They've got to come out at some, some stage in the game, which will open it up for us. But I said they'll slow the game down, so I don't think it's going to be a most ex- exciting game for the players. So mm. probably that's why I'm saying just go full it at the game and mm. just fly at them and try and win it within the sixty minutes. Steve, I've just I've just pulled up um, what you would assume would be West Brom starting lineup for tomorrow, and and I think they've got a little bit of sort of new manager syndrome going on at the moment. We've touched on that in in previous podcasts and how you get that initial bump in performance levels. You know, they've picked up two, uh, you know, in the last two games since the new manager come in, they've got four points, one of which was uh, a good away win to Manchester United. Now, looking at how they played that game against Manchester United, it it was very much a smash and grab, you know, 30% possession. Uh, They set it, sat in sort of uh, 4-4-2, which quite quickly became a 4-5-1. Do you share Danny's sentiments about tomorrow's game that, um, you know they're gonna they're gonna try and frustrate, slow the game down, and stop us from getting into our attacking rhythm. Yeah, that's like, that's what West Ham have done for years. It's not it's not a surprise. It, it doesn't make a difference who the manager is. That's their game plan. Um, I disagree with Danny. I wouldn't. It was so. I wouldn't risk players tomorrow. It's it's mad. Like we've a European Cup semi final on Tuesday night. It's not Wednesday. Hmm. Tuesday night. I I'd be resting. Van Dijk, for me now, I give Salah maybe an hour because mm. he wants to win the golden boot. But I honestly, if we go to a up after 20 minutes and Salah's playing, he's coming off. Mm. Like, it, it, it's it's so, 
like I'm I'm fairly convinced we have top four wrapped up with the games we have left. But mm. it, it for me, it's all about Tuesday. It's funny that you should say in terms of the points, uh, you know, the points you think that we've got it wrapped up because I've seen um, some stats that I've pulled up on the screen now from Andrew Beasley and, and it very much looks, look, uh, he's more of a mathematician than me, so I'm not going to go into the algorithms behind it, but it looks like Liverpool from the remaining fixtures would only need two wins to secure top four. So if you think back to the fixtures that we had up, uh, you know, a minute ago, we've got Brighton, uh, we've got Stoke, and we've got West Brom, uh, and then obviously the Chelsea game, you'd be confident that we'd be able oh, to get the, the points that we need. Look, uh, West Brom are bottom for a reason. Hmm. It's not to do with... like They're not a very, very good side. We've Stoke next week, who are just as bad. We should be picking up wins, regardless of the team we put out tomorrow or next Saturday. Like Next Saturday, I'm expecting Gary McAllister to send him a field and Russian Daglish up front. Mm-hmm. Uh, like honestly, it's we should be like we should be comfortable enough. Like let let Spurs Spurs are behind us as well. Let Spurs worry about Chelsea if that's the case. We should be putting pressure. We win tomorrow, regardless of the squad that's out tomorrow. We win tomorrow, we go ten clear of them again mm-hmm. with four. We we have three games left. They'll have four. Do you, th- do you think, though, Steve, there's always going to be... I mean, I, you know me now well enough that I'm the eternal optimist when it comes to Liverpool. Uh, but do you think that there's always going to be still, you know, till we hopefully get some silverware on the board, there's going to be that niggle in a lot of fans' heads that, oh, wouldn't it just be a Liverpool? Wouldn't it just be a Liverpool to drop points here? Or do you think that we've now turned a corner? I think we've turned a corner. There's ruthlessness in this team. Hmm. The club has bred ruthlessness. The way, like, we, uh, we started making three and four nil wins routine, like, la- like we did against Bournemouth last week. Three nil was routine, and three nil flattered Bournemouth as well. I, I don't get, I don't get this mentality. Like, we are, we're seven clear of Chelsea with four games left. Hmm. Although, <laughs> I'm saying that, I got a post today, a picture off my um, Man City supporting uncle. Of the league table with three games to go in thirteen and fourteen. Oh, stop! I still can't get over it. Right, honestly, man, honestly, <laughs> he just—he keeps coming up on Facebook memories now. Obviously, around this time of year, and I just keep getting pictures every day. <laughs> so, but look, it's—it's it's a different team, it's a different squad, it's a different mentality. We, I—I I, I feel we should be getting comfortably three points tomorrow, and we should be comfortably relegating Stoke next week, and that'd be that. Like the goal difference between us and Chelsea is massive as well. Yeah, it's an extra point. Yeah, like it's it really is. Like I wouldn't even be like ideally we have it wrapped up before we go to Chelsea and we're rest. Like we play full strength Chelsea and rest for Brighton. But like, it's football. But like, honestly, I just can't see how we drop. We throw it away now. Mm. I really, really can't. Danny, I'll, I'll come to you, and, and there's one thing, I suppose, particularly focusing on tomorrow's game, it's, it very much seems like West Brom, um, you know, stay compact, they look to clip long balls into Rondon, and then you'll have Jay Rodriguez, who will sort of circle him and look to pick up the bits. One thing I think that has changed in this Liverpool team now is obviously the emergence of Virgil van Dijk, and whereas we've always, you know, a lot of people have said we've got a bit of a soft, soft underbelly. And, yeah. you know, we'll cave to the sort of direct approach. It seems very much now that 
we've had a tactic in the last few weeks where we've encouraged teams to actually go wide and put balls into the area, high into the box, and we've been able to deal with them very comfortably. Yeah, he looks he looks secure, Virgil, when the balls are coming in the box. He doesn't mind mind balls coming in the box. You know, we get enough bodies back to defend to defend crosses. So, you know, I, I can't see West Brom. You know, they might play McLean on the left wing and try and launch balls in the box, but I can only see them going direct and trying to sit back and hit us on the break. So, I think Liverpool just got to be patient tomorrow, mm. break them down. Um, just and just be careful, yeah, of them. You know, them breaks, like you say. You know, like Steve said before, it's West Brom and they are a poor team, but they've just gone to United to them one one nil. You know, the Premier League has got a habit of someone turning around the bottom team and beating that top team, no problem. Mm. Because they're in the Premier League, they're all they're all quality players. All right, they're having bad runs, but the new manager effect. They only need one. You know, Leicester virtually won the league doing a smashing grab every week. You know, was it last year or the year before when Leicester won the league? So, you know, it's it's a wounded beast. The common wounded, you know, and it's it's a dangerous animal to play with a wounded team. You know, they've got a little bit of belief now going to United and winning, coming to Anfield. They've just got to come out and try and win. So, you know, balls into the box. That shouldn't be a problem the way Van Dijk's performing at the minute. It, it, it's one thing that I kind of picked up and, and Steve touched on it there was the professional performance against Bournemouth last week and I, and I think that's been a little bit underplayed in the media because I, I think it was a really good performance control performance and I think that's something now that's synonymous with this Liverpool team is, is the control in which we're navigating games and one thing that I kind of picked up on is the emergence of our fullbacks, particularly when we're playing against the sort of bottom 10 sides or the teams that will come in and look to frustrate. Um, and I suppose the, the link-ups that I'm starting to see happen now, you know, in the, in the last few games and, and last couple of months in particular, is Andrew Robertson and, and Mane, uh, which you can see on the top graphic, the, the, the amount of times that they find each other. And then also now Trent, and you're seeing it in spectacular fashion with his crossing for Mo Salah. There seems real quality coming from those wide areas now uh, in in Robinson and Trent. Yeah, well, you know, fullbacks are playing an important part of the game. I think the game against Bournemouth, you'd always fear that because we've just been on such a high in the Champions League, you come back down to the earth with a bump. So I think, you know, Getting the win at home to Bournemouth was brilliant. You know, it's as you said, they haven't, the media hasn't given enough credit for what it was worth because it's a great win. Mm. Just keeps the run going. Going into your, um, what you've just told us about the graph and the fullbacks linking up with the uh, Mane and Salah. You can see Trent, you know, against the lesser teams getting forward more and Robinson getting forward more. I think Trent put about three or four great balls into the box just before he set one up for Salah. You know, he he could have assisted, as I say, three or four goals on the day. You know, he's going to get one right, and he was getting forward more. So, I think it will probably be the same tomorrow. As you say, West Brom will probably sit back, and our full-backs will be delivering balls in from wide areas. And stay. I'll I'll come to you because I know we've we've spoken detail around Andrew Robinson. But one thing that's particularly interested me, I suppose, with his emergence in the side is the effect that it's had on Sadio Mane. It seems because the team trust Robinson so much in terms of him stretching the pitch, getting down the left, providing an outlet, 
Sadio Mane's finding himself appearing in little pockets now, very much in the central sort of space, central yeah. left space, uh, nearly in the way of a, of a number 10 in, in, in some games. Do you see this as a position that he could make his own moving forward? Uh, it, it is Mane's position. It's it's allowing Mane to drift inside. Like a lot of, there's been a lot of talk about Mane this season about whether he's having a poor season. He doesn't seem to be as good as he was last year. But yeah, people forget that he had. To, it's a whole new position. Like he's playing a totally new position this year. And Robertson, rather than Moreno, Robertson is an intelligent footballer. He knows when to overlap. He knows when to come and join in. He knows when to bring it inside keep it short, and it gives Mane the option. Mane doesn't have to hold his position every time, waiting wide. So he is able to drift in, he's able to get involved, and surprisingly enough, I didn't, I didn't think he was. I thought Mane was a pace merchant. When, when we first signed him, I thought he was a pace merchant, winger, he'll get to a few goals. But we've seen since Christmas, since Robertson has gotten into the team, we've seen the difference with Mane, that he is an intelligent footballer, he wants to join in, he wants to play these passes. He's always constantly looking for one-twos and touches off from Eno. Um, I don't think there's any doubt that it is because of Robertson's emergency. Mm. We, did, we weren't seeing this last year when Klein, when he was playing wide on the right with Klein. We weren't seeing it at the start of the season with, Ma, uh, with Moreno playing left full either. So it's these, these relationships, like you guys know as well from playing, it's relationships. Everywhere on the pitch is a relationship. There's two centre-halves here. Your right side is centre-half and your right full. Your sentiment feelers. It's all, it's it's units units inside a team. Yeah, it's 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 linked me well in terms of the the units because I want to bring us on to I suppose what would be um, for a lot of people the the eleven for to, for tomorrow's game. Steve, it sounds like you might might disagree with with, with some of these, and and I encourage that, which is good. Um, but one thing I want to touch on, and I, and I'll come to you, uh, Danny, on this is. If you're a footballer, and I know from from my own time of playing, I don't want to miss a game of football. I don't care if it's a kickabout in the park, it's training, it's a cup game against the lower side. Um, I want to play in every single minute of every single game. And if I don't, yeah. I get pissed off. And to be honest, I want to keep that momentum going. If I if I know that I've got a big game come come Tuesday... I still want to keep my body moving on the Saturday and at least get a 70 minutes in the tank and then rest up well for, for the Tuesday. So I suppose my question to you is, what effect from your experience does momentum have on, on, on footballers? It's a term that's bandied about a lot, I think. Um, but I suppose from your side, you know, if you are making those connections with your centre midfielder or you're making your connections with a, with a centre back or, or those around you, with the game just around the corner on Tuesday, which is which is massive for everybody, would you say that a lot of those players will be knocking down Klopp's door saying, make sure I play in this game on Saturday? Possibly, yeah. From my own experience of wanting to play games, you, you know, you go back to the old cliche of you don't change a winning team for any game. You know, he, the team that wins the week before starts. Now, I think players have probably you know they, they may have had a little word with Klopp or Klopp's gone round to them and asked them how they're feeling you know I think Klopp's that type of manager that he likes players to approach him it's a two way street it's not like you're playing or you're not playing I think he'll gauge off players if how they're feeling you're okay to play you're not do you want to have a little rest do you want to prefer to play Tuesday or what so I think it's a two way street and that 
that is where his man management comes into it. Now, I'm not saying I know that's what he does, but I'd like to think that's what he does because the way the players react to him. For me, I'm the same as you. I'd want to play. I want to play tomorrow. Your, your next game's your most important game. And going off, you know, it seems what you've got on your graph there. If there is a couple of changes, you know, it might be the likes of Klein comes in at right back. I mean, he might come on after an hour. It, it doesn't matter who Liverpool put in tomorrow. Alex to be beating West Brom. But for me, that's why I said I'd want to be playing. That's why I'd, I think Klopp will go full tilt tomorrow. But the momentum for me is, is very important. I'd want to be playing myself. And, and Steve, I'll come to you because you obviously don't agree with the, the 11 that we have. You, you'd make some changes. And, and where in particular would you make those changes? Oh, I'd make changes. Using <laughs> that salad up in cotton wool. <laughs> honestly, honestly, it, it, uh, as I said, we, we've done the hard work. We've gotten to the position we're in in the league. We've a European Cup semi-final on Tuesday. Like, it, this is the mad thing that people don't seem to realise. Fair enough, our squad isn't deep. We're not a city or we're not a United of a few years ago where we can put quality in for quality. But, the terrifying thought of Van Dijk picking up a knock tomorrow or Salah picking up a knock tomorrow. Just... So it'll be a tough game for Van Dijk tomorrow if they do go direct into Rondon. That's possibly true what you're saying. Yeah, he could have a little battle on his hands tomorrow. Exactly. And it, it, depending on who Klopp wants to play on Tuesday night at Roy Full. So if it's Klein or Trent or Gomez, whoever it may be, they're in for a rough afternoon tomorrow if James McLean is playing. McLean will kick end in the moves. Yeah. No, and, and that's and not, not having a go with the lad. Like he's a good, honest, hard-working lad. Like, but he'll go through anything. Like he done it last week against United. He absolutely yeah, yeah. lettered Ashley Young up in the air. Or sorry, it wasn't Young. It was Sanchez. After ten minutes, kick Sanchez, and that was it. So it's it's the worry of that. Like it's with a European Cup semi-final on Tuesday. But, but Steve, I'll, I'll, I'll challenge you on that. Was the objective at the start of the season, a top four finish, for, and I'm just playing devil's advocate now, was the objective for this Liverpool team not a top four finish? And is anything in the Champions League not just a bonus? 100% it was a top four finish because we need Champions League for next year to build on this season. But we're in the semi-final. It's, it's not. like This is the thing. It's a European Cup semi-final. Haven't had one for... 10 years, 11 years, or what was it? Two, uh, today was an annoying last one, right? And we got, and we got blasé about European Cup semi finals in Rafa's time. Like, we were, uh, it's a pity that we have to play, I'm bored of playing Chelsea in the European Cup semi final. Uh, I'm sorry, this is, this is all the season is about now. For me personally, anyway, if I was, look, I know, I understand players want to play games, Salah wants to win the Golden Boot, so on. But you're on the verge of a Champions League final. So then on, on that point, you're the manager, Steve. And Danny, I'll ask you the same question. I'll come to you first, Danny, then Steve. You're the manager and you have to tell Mo Salah that he's not going to start when he's hunting the golden boot. How do you think that conversation is going to go? And I'll come to you first, Danny. <laughs> it is a tough one, you know, playing devil's advocate. But... Um... <laughs> Look, you can reiterate to him how important he is to the team, how important Tuesday night is. And you can say to him, look, he's got every faith in the team that he's putting out tomorrow. If, with 30 minutes to go, we're struggling, I'll get him on. 
I'll get you on for a run, you know, to get your legs open, get your lungs going. But I'll tell them in no uncertain terms, look, don't get injured. Stay away from, you know, tackles, jump at them. If, you, if it looks like you're going into a tackle, just leave it. You know, but, and that's probably not the right thing to say, but it's hard for the manager in, the, in them circumstances. You you want your best players on the pitch on the on the toughest game. So, you know, whoever plays up there tomorrow, I think they have got more than enough to, to win the game. But I'll be saying, look, Mo, get ready for, you know, for you to be called upon because we may need you. Go on, Steve, you're the manager. What's that conversation like? Because you seem a bit more cutthroat. I'm fucking ruthless, mate. Absolutely ruthless. <laughs> I've got 40 goals. You're going into a European Cup semi-final on Tuesday where you're going to be the main man. Simple. Steve, you need what if we oh, look, I think he plays. I think, oh, Danny, I think he plays. I think he starts tomorrow. I, I do. Yeah, I, I really yeah. do. I, I, he is that good that, fair enough, you don't want to drop him. But if the game is one at half time, he's off. off. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. I'm just, I think, I'm just thinking... If we don't get top four and we get beat in the semi-final, <laughs> what's the season? The season would be, it wouldn't be a disaster, but and the signs of us how good we've been, but I'd, I'd rather confirm one than the other, as quick as I can. Yeah. I'd rather confirm having, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, Champions League enough, next yeah. season rather than risking having none by the end of a couple of weeks' time, three weeks' time. Well, that brings me nicely, no, no, that's, that's... lads. That, that, that brings me nicely on to the Champions League. Uh, before, we, before we do that, just quick predictions for tomorrow's game. How do you see it going? Go on, Steve. With your reserve um, team out. <laughs> reserve team out. Uh, Danny Iniesta scoring a hat-trick before half-time. Van Dijk, Salah and whoever else. Just wait. I, I start the second half at eight. <laughs> what about you Dan? I'm, I'm going to go 3-0 again but I think I think Ings may start but I still think Salah will start I think one I think maybe Firmino may, may start or Mane one of the two 3-0 I think sorry sorry no, I think it's I think Firmino is the one that you want to rest tomorrow yeah Um. I think he is he's the one you want to rest um, he's the one that's key to Everton. I think he's the one that probably needs a break more. So it's not a matter of momentum with him. I think Firmino can come into a game after 10 days off and he can just get to his level straight away. So, gents, that brings us on to the Champions League. And, and the first thing I want to start off on before we sort of dive into, into Roma was what was your reaction, I suppose, with the teams that are left in the in the draw who were you hoping for and what was your first thought when we drew Roma? I was hoping for Roma. Uh, it doesn't matter who you get in that Champions League at this stage. It's going to be tough, but I just think we're more mobile than them. Mm. Um, obviously, the Premier League is you know, a, lot, a lot faster paced than them. I think we can get at them. And like I said last time against City, I think the tie could be over in the first leg. And that's what I predicted last time. The tie basically was over in the first leg against City. Again, I think I think it could be the same again. Or like Roma did come back from, you know, four one down to win three 0 against Barcelona. But we've experienced it now. Klopp, Klopp knows 
which way to go about it. For me, I'm gonna I'm gonna be bold in my statements is that Liverpool kill off Roman in the first leg again. Like they did City. And I'll come to Al, who's, who's joined us a, a little bit late, fashionably late, mate. I like it. How he are is. You? Hello, lads. You okay? <laughs> We're good, mate. How are you? I'm good. Sorry about that. The lads, he's got games on a Friday night at the minute, and we've literally only just walked in. So many blaming you, brushing your teeth for ages. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, tell you about the point system. Yeah, you broke up there, mate. Jamie, tell you oh. <laughs> oh. he's got you there. He's got you. <laughs> I'll, I'll come to you, Al, as you've just joined us. We've we've done a bit of a review on the West Brom games. So you probably timed it quite well because I think everybody's focus is is the Roma game. And and, and Danny yeah. kind of made a point there that he thinks the tie could potentially be over from the first leg. And and one thing I, I want to ask you is: Do you think there's as much importance now on the the first and second leg? And and by that I mean particularly this Liverpool side because we have the ability quite comfortably to go away from home and score goals. Uh, do you fa- feel that the, the you know us having the the first leg at home, uh, you know, it, it could even be seen as an advantage if if we're able to keep them, uh, you know, to a to a zero. Yeah, I I, I agree. It's like the Man City. I thought the Man City game was always going to play into to Liverpool's hands because Man City had to come out and attack Liverpool. And, you know, we picked them off later on. And I think the way Liverpool play with the pace that they've got on the team and the teams have to come up. I don't think... I, I've, I've just caught the end of Danny there. I do think the tie will be over after the first leg, I've got to be honest with you. Um, but if it's 0-0 or 1-0... I still think Liverpool will go through comfortably because Rome will have to come at Liverpool in the second leg and the, the same will happen for me. They just get picked off like Man City did. And that, that leads me nicely, stay on to, on to my next question. And, and I suppose, is this Liverpool team ideally set up for knockout football? And by that, I mean, because when teams attack us, particularly the style that Klopp has where he wants us to press high, win the ball back high, where we're closer to the goal and can affect the game. Do you feel like this team is ideally suited, suited to knockout football? I think the team is more so than the manager. I think the manager set up to win things. Um, I think the team is set up at the moment because, as I said, the way we pick teams off coming in late, when teams have to come on to us, that's when we're at our best. Especially... Going back to the earlier point that since January, since Van Dijk came in, we look so much more solid. We're not conceding goals from set pieces. We can now rely on our centre-backs. We can rely on our goalkeeper. He's making saves. So I think, uh, I agree with the lads. It, the tie could be over on Tuesday night, but like, Roma aren't a bad side. They're not, a, they're, no more, they're not a great side. They're not Barcelona. They're not Real Madrid or Bayern Munich. But... They're not a bad side. It's going to be. It's it'd be a strange, um, strange toy going into it as favourites. To be honest, we went into the city game as massive underdogs. People thought City would knock us. Parkers uh, passes off the pitch, even, and it was the perfect setup for City. It, it's going to have to be a different setup depending on the way Rome decide to set up. And Danny, I'll, I'll come to you because Steve touched on the fact that you know Roma is a, in itself is a completely different proposition to City. We go into this as favourites. Um, one thing I noticed, I suppose, and I've pulled up the, the 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 two setups that Roma adopted against Barcelona home and away. At home, they played uh, away from home. Sorry, they played four five one. Um, and and I suppose 
you know, with their, their desire, I assume, to keep it tight, um, they were quite convincingly beaten at Barcelona. What type of effect do you think that ha- would have on their game plan coming to Anfield, having been convincingly beaten uh, when trying to shut up shop? And the second question on that is, do you think that that will make them change the system coming into the away leg? I think they will. Yeah. I think they're going to try and slow the game down. And I feel like Alan said the pace that we have when the game's open, the pace that we have and we can hit teams on the break is is when we're good. Now, Roma, I think with the coming to Anfield, they're going to spoil the game. I think like that's that's their plan. I thought I think they'll go with now. And Liverpool goes at breaking teams down. You know they're not bad at it. I just think it's better if if teams come at us like City did. City don't change really for a lot for anyone, and and that suited us kind of thing. But I just think Rome is going to adapt, going to try and keep the score down, and they're going to have belief that when whoever they get at home, they can beat because they've just beat Barcelona. You know at home three nil. It's you know that's no no mean feat. Who beats Barcelona three nil at home? So they'll be thinking, keep the score down at Anfield to the best we can. We'll get them back at home. You know, we'll just beat Barcelona 3-0. Why can't we beat Liverpool at home 3-0? So I think they're going to come and defend me. And Al, I'll come to you, you know, from with your sort of coaching hat on and also your playing hat on. You know, if you were to go to, to Anfield under this Jurgen Klopp side, you know, what would you be telling your side to focus on, you know, in terms of, of the threats that Liverpool pose? Because... You know, from an outsider looking in, it looks like there's threats everywhere. You know, you've got runners from midfield now. You've got width and genuine quality from fullback areas. And the front three, you know, you can wax lyrical about those. They can create problems at any any given time. So as a, from a coaching perspective, how how do you go about plotting, uh, you know, a, a win at Anfield or, you know, a draw or at least taking points from, from Anfield on the clock? I think... I think most teams who've had successes, well, you know, limited successes, stopping Liverpool this season, if, if they basically they've had, they, they've just they've had two banks, you know, banks of four mm-hmm. and a bank of five in front of them, and they basically just condensed the space, allow Liverpool all of the space what Liverpool wants in Liverpool's own half. Mm-hmm. It sounds daft that when I say, but like leave the leave Liverpool's back lads to have the ball, and then if I was if I was trying to stop this Liverpool team I'd just say to all of my players just drop deep in our own half and try and make Liverpool play in front of you and mm. for me personally I'd force if I was a coach trying to stop Liverpool I'd force Liverpool out wide to deliver balls into the box because you know take, I know listen to Salah's header goal was a delivery in the box but Liverpool's main strength is not putting balls in the box and getting someone on the end of it. So I'd be quite happy to force Liverpool to go out on the flanks and allow them to cross the ball and defend the box. And 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 Steve, I'll, I'll I'll come to you off the back of Al's point. You know, there's there's two trains of thought here, and and I'm kind of split on on both. To be honest, there's there's Al's train of thought where it's very much let them have the balls in areas where you want them to have it. Leave yeah. no space in behind for the quick players to exploit. And, and particularly on that point, if you looked at the, the second half against City, I think Pep changing to a four, four at the back played into our hands because what it meant was Fernandinho would step out from the back and leave huge gaps in behind. And Klopp was able to spot that and say to Salah, you go central, exploit that space in behind with your pace. I think he moved Firmino out onto the left 
And it played into our hands because it gave us that space. So what, what my question is to you is, do you think that Roma will adopt a style that tries to restrict the space in behind? Or now, given the fact that sort of away goals play, can play so much weight over a two-legged tie, do you think that there's a chance they may shift to the three at the back that works so effectively against Barcelona and try and press us high and nick a goal? I think if Roma were... Ideally, Roma go three at the back. From, from our point of view, ideally, Roma go three at the back. If they go 4 5 one, They've got the Rossi, Strutman and uh, Nangalan in the middle who are absolute dogs. Absolute dogs. They'll kick. They'll do everything they can. But they're brilliant footballers as well. When they get on the ball, they're well able to move it. The Rossi is an absolute beast of a player. But if you're leaving three at the back, so if you're leaving Fazio, who flopped in the Premier um, Fazio Manalas Manalo went off injured against Lazio the other night there's a big doubt whether he's even available um, and your man Juan Jesus who failed at Inter who was a shock conclusion actually for Roma if you've those three against with Kolarov backtracking like they're expecting Kolarov to play left wing back and track back like we've seen Kolarov for how long in the Premiership playing for City and lovely footballer lovely on the ball loves a shot but, from but 60 yards strength, as well yeah but his strength isn't going backwards. So that's where your space is going to be. Where, so the ideal situation for Liverpool is Roma set up a three at the back. If Roma decide that they're shutting the game down and they're coming for Tanfield for a nil-nil, you'd worry because they'd, they have the ability to do that. They have Dzeko up front who they can hit long, they can, they can play off Dzeko. But the only thing with Roma is they don't have a lot of pace. doesn't matter what, where you look in their team, like, if they're relying on Jack up to try and get in behind Lovren and Van Dijk, you're feeling fairly comfortable there. Like. And I think that's the thing with, with Van Dijk. You know, we seem to touch him every week, but he's been such a massive influence at the back that, you know, Jacko's a physical presence. You'd be confident that Van Dijk would be able to deal with that. Then if he does look to get in behind, you'd be confident that Van Dijk would be able to deal with that. And what that's allowed us to do is, is press high and, and, and really back ourselves in those 1v1 situations. So what so what I'll do, Al, I'll come to you on this. I suppose from a Roma perspective, before we move on to Liverpool, what, w- what would you see as a good result for them going into this game? Is it simply just a case of trying to, to re- keep the scoreline down? Or is it trying to nick that away goal and take something back to, the, to their place? No, I mean, I... <laughs> I think Roma would be well aware of the Man City game where Man City were blown away, you know, in a short period of time. A, a, a perfect scenario for Roma would be it'd be a nil-nil, wouldn't it? Get them back to their place, and you know, then have a go. As Danny said, I personally don't think that this is a very good Rome team. I'm going to be honest with you. I, you know, you get the Rossian and the good, the good players, but would they get in the? Would the likes of the Rossi get in the top six Premier League team? Maybe a few years ago. Maybe a few years ago, we would have. But not some. I don't think so now. Uh, Kolarov, you know, he, he done okay at Man City. You know, Zeko's a goal scorer. He is a threat, but you know, I just don't see how they're going to hurt us. I'm being honest. I don't know. I don't want to sound overconfident, but I don't see how Rome can hurt Liverpool. Mm, I think they've got any midfield runners, Alan. Any, you know what I mean? No, if, they, if, even if they do go into Zeko, he runs off him. You know, that, that's what no I mean. Stay, stay at the nail on the head. They did. The three midfielders look the good players. I'm not saying the bad players, but the 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 kind of dogs they're like the 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 ratters and they have Spoilers. got the, you know they have got good ability and I'm not saying that. I just 
how they can hurt Liverpool. I'm being honest. I'm looking through their team, what you've got up there, and I'm like, there's not a player there where you go, well, he worries me. You know, you look at the Man City team, you're like, well, all of them worry you. Especially when they're playing 10 up front. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. The, the, and the thing with the thing with City, the City game is everyone in Europe watched that. That was that was European wide. Like people sat up and paid attention to Liverpool after them two results. Like we bashed them in Anfield for forty five minutes, and then we pick them off. We comfortably pick them off in the second leg. It's not just Roma that would have been watching that. Real Madrid and Bayern Munich would have been looking at that and went, "Ooh, not too not not too sure about that now either." And Rome being the weakest team left in the competition, if you go by bookies' odds, and bookies are very rarely wrong, they they they're not going to be too comfortable coming down the field. And it's it's funny because you could see it and you could hear it in that Al's tone. We're nearly as fans, I think, apologetic for being confident because we've probably been burnt so many times by this Liverpool team. You know, it's the the famous saying, "The hope that kills you." But I think there's now been a mentality shift, not only in the players but also the fans, where you know, we're seeing us, you know, being able to shut out one of the most talented teams in Europe, in Manchester City, over two legs. Yes, we rode our luck, but you ride your luck against every good team. Um, you know, but we were, we were relatively in control, particularly in the second half of the first leg. City had a lot of ball, but it was where we wanted them to have the ball. They never got in behind us. Um, and, and, the, and the second leg, yes, you know, because we had to try and adapt to them basically playing. I think it was... Uh, you know, nearly five up front at one point. You know, it took some adjusting and we just had to bite down on the mouth guard and get through to half time kind of thing. But I suppose coming into to, to this this game against Roma, would you say that from a Liverpool perspective, that the team nearly nearly picks itself at this stage? Um, and and I'll, a second sort of point on that, you know, the back five now probably looks like the, the strongest back five I think I can remember in, in recent years. And obviously the front three pick themselves. I'll come to you, Steve. Is the is the only question marks in, in the Liverpool setup gonna be around the middle three and, and who are the personnel? I think personally I think two of the three are nailed on. I think Henderson starts regardless. Um and I think Chamberlain starts as well to give us, as we talked about earlier on, to give us that pace and drive from midfield. So then you're looking at whether it's between Milner and Wijnaldum. Um, personally I think it's a toss up but Milner's been so impressive the past six weeks like he really has stepped up and made that position of his own when Alden did play against City but you have to remember Henderson was suspended so is it a case that when Alden sits at this one out and it's Milner just for experience wise <laughs> we don't have many players that played in big games this is the other side of the coin, like we don't have players that have won competitions, whereas Milner has. Milner has the experience of winning league titles. There's not a whole lot of experience in our squad with that. So personally, I think it, I think you'll go for Milner, but I think that's the only question mark there with the team. I'll come to you, Danny, because one thing, just touching on what Steve said there. I mean, from from my perspective, for what it's worth, I, I think uh, Milner and Henderson now appear to be. Klopp's kind of lieutenants, I suppose, in, in midfield. I think he feels that he can trust those players. And I've just pulled up a graphic there on the screen of the average positions that Liverpool players had against Manchester City. And if you particularly look now at the number 14, obviously Jordan Henderson and James Milner, they very much seem to anchor that midfield. They patrol in front of the back four. They do the donkey work. They win the ball. 
um, and they allow the the front four, I suppose it is now. If you look at how high Chamberlain is when when, when looking in that that setup, you know it's unleashing that front four. Do you very much feel, I suppose, that those two kind of underpin all of the 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 fantastic work that the front players are now doing? Of course, do they, they allow the front players to go and, go and win the game? Also, they allow a fullback to step in because if one fullback steps in, one of them can either shuffle over and, and, and delay teams breaking on us, which you know some teams look to do to try and you know hit us on the break. So they've been doing really well of late, especially Milner. I think he's been fantastic in, in the games he's played in. His experience, his, his cleverness of you know where to pick up positions if the ball breaks down. So. For me, it, it's a great, it's a great, it's a great time for, for for letting the front four basically go and win you the game. You're basically saying to you, "Come on, come on win the game. Let's see what you can do for us. We'll just delay and and get you the ball when we can." And Al, I'll come to you in terms of this, uh, you know, this first leg at Anfield. We've seen the importance, suppose, of, of Manchester City not getting a goal in that first leg, and the confidence that it gave Liverpool, knowing that if we got the one goal. That they'd have to score multiple in the, in the second leg. Um, do you th- do you nearly feel that that would be one of the most important factors going into this game? Is that we're able to to keep composed and and make sure that they go away with no goals conceded, uh, no goals scored. Yeah, I think I, th- I think that would be quite important. Uh, but just going back on the others, just going back on sorry on Milner. I for me Milner's Milner's the absolute guaranteed starter in yeah. midfield. For me, I think he's the whether he's skipping or not. I think he is the guaranteed midfield starter. And I think if you notice the last few games, Klopp's been resting him. I think Milner's, Milner's an absolute shoo One, he's got big game experience. And two, I mean, I, 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 how many blocks did he get in against Man City? Mm-hmm. Last ditch tackles and blocks. And three, he's got more assists than anyone in the Champions League. Uh-huh. Yeah, so he's contributing at both ends. So he's doing, he's doing both. But sorry, I'll go back to your, to your point. For the first time in a long time, for me, Jay, it's kind of now your confidence of Liverpool being able to shut shut teams out and keep clean sheets because of the the Van Dijk effect. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if we if if we stop Roma scoring in the in the home tie, it's game over for me. So that that leads me nicely on to predictions, lads, because we're nearly we're nearly up for the hour now. So. There seems a lot of confidence, uh, you know, across the lads, which I love. Um, I'm going to come to do a roundtable to all of the lads, and I want to hear a prediction for for obviously this uh, this first leg against Roma, but then the tie overall. And I'll come to you first, Steve. Um, I think we do a four 0 on Tuesday night. Oof. Um, I don't know. Like the points we've all said, they don't have any pace. They're not great at the back. If we if we can get the level up to where we were against City first leg for the first half, and I, I, I just see us picking them off. I think they get desperate. They try and get an away goal. They got one behind. The more if we get two up on them, they will get desperate and they'll come out to try and get that away goal. Um, I think we beat them six one over two legs. How do you follow that, Dan? I'm going to go exactly the same as uh, the quarter final against City. Sadina at home. True gone away, was it? <laughs> Bag full of goals. Just exactly the, exactly the same. 
scenario for me. Al? 4-0 over the two legs. 3-0 at home, 1-0 away. And do I push me luck and ask you for a prediction in the final when we get there? <laughs> Let's see. Yeah. And yeah, <laughs> I'm just getting Bayern. excited, mate. I feel like we're on the cusp of something special. Yeah, we beat Bayern Munich in the final, 3-1. I don't think Bayern get anywhere near Madrid. I really, uh, the Bayern Munich are a piss-poor imitation of what they have well, been. I think Madrid, only that Ronaldo stepped up the last 15 games, I think Madrid are on a downward spiral rapidly. But they have Ronaldo, well, that's, it's, it's the one. It's, I know, but he's, he's, he's no Mo Salah, is he? <laughs> no, he, he, he's not up against Van Dijk every week either. <laughs> right, gents, I'm going to uh, I'm going to wrap it up there because uh, we've had uh, nearly an hour there. And, and what I want to do, I want to firstly thank you all for your time. Uh, thanks for joining us out a, a little bit later. We'll uh, we'll get you on earlier next week, mate. Uh, what I want to do, just a quick shout out, just to to our sponsors. So first up, loyal sponsor IPT TV. Uh, if you want to check out Jan Jansen uh, on Twitter, his handle is IPTV for all. Uh, he's got some fantastic deals on every TV channel you can think of. If you like your sport, your pay-per-view, your documentaries, he's got them all. So uh, check him out on Twitter at IPTV for all. And if you use the discount code LFCDT, he'll be able to give you some some discounts. And then we're delighted to bring on a, another sponsor. And if, if Danny, do you want to give us a little model there, Mace, of the T-shirt? Oh, yeah, I've got the T-shirt on. I'll have look to get at- my belly out the way there, look. <laughs> <laughs> nice printed t-shirts. One of my friends has just um, got his own label out. Tri- uh, tribal Society. If you if you want to follow yeah. them, lads, on, on Twitter, it's tribal underscore society. And on Instagram, it's tribal.society. And they've been very kind to send us some t-shirts. So expect all of the lads on, on the tactics board to be wearing t-shirts next week. And also you might see some on some of the other day tripper shows as well. So uh, as I said, check out Tribal Society. Uh, loads of great hoodies and T-shirts on there. Yeah. Uh, check them great out and, 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 and well. give, us a, give us a shout out and uh, and they'll do you a good deal. So uh, one final thing for me to mention. Next up on the day trippers on uh, Sunday night, uh, the Fatback Four will be back. Uh, the lads will have the usual madness. Uh, they'll be reviewing the, the West, West Brom game and probably touching on Roma as well. Uh, hopefully this week we won't have any more karaoke from, uh, from Grizz. So with that, it's been my absolute pleasure, gents. Thanks very much for, uh, for joining us and I look forward to chatting again next week. All the best. So I heard from my sister's friend's cousin that Coles has the lowest prices of the season and had to see for myself. For real, the deals are so good. I got my kids' summer tees for $5.99, a cute swimsuit for myself for $17.99, and a shark vacuum for $199.99, which will be great after Sandy Beach Days. I got Kohl's cash, too, and I got it all in less than an hour with free store pickup. So, yeah, summer, I'm ready for you. Select styles ends May 23rd. Some exclusions apply. See store or kohls.com for details. Time to fire up the grill. Time to go to Total Wine and find the perfect flavor to pair with those burgers. Ooh, I love their beer cooler. (laughs) You love their prices even more. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Sports Social Podcast Network.